Welcome everyone to the Back It Up Binge Major League Baseball Roundtable Discussion. Let me introduce my co-host. First up, let me welcome back to the binge, a frequent partner of mine during last NFL season, Futures. Futures, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Jeff. Feels great. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this podcast. That's great. It's good to have you back. Next, making his first appearance here on the binge, but a frequent contributor to my daily baseball update. He's my binge baseball bite Mets beat reporter, Jay Deuce. Deuce, welcome to the binge. Jeff, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this episode. So let's uh, dive right in. I have a assortment of topics that we can discuss. Let's kick it off. Obviously, anyone who's watching this sort of knows who our favorite teams are. So why don't we start with you, Deuce? Tell me, um, how, how are you feeling about the Mets so far this year? It's been a major disappointment, but I have to tell you, very, very excited over the last five games. We've got a little five-game winning streak going. I, you know, uh, Linder with five hits yesterday, a um, couple of frozen ropes by uh, Alonzo yesterday. Uh, we banged out, I think, 17 hits. So, you know, this is a big series coming up with San Diego. We've got to win these before the All-Star game. That was a uh, very impressive series against the D-backs. The D-backs are no slouches. And, and to your point, Lindor, I looked them up, 368, a double, two triples, and two home runs over this over this five-game winning streak. So they're starting to get their groove. I know people are saying, oh, it's only five games, but that's better than five losses, right? <laughs> yes. And what's really nice, too, is they're getting some of that timely hitting. You know, they were within one strike of losing one of the middle games in the series, and they had a key two-run homer in the ninth to seal the win. So they're starting to do things they didn't do in the last couple of months. So, um, again, person can hope. Fair point. All right, Futures, let's turn to you, Yankees. You know, they're, they, 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 they are snake-bitten this year, right? You had a lot of injuries. You got Rodon out of the gate, but now he's, he's returning to the team. Cole's pitching great. Cortez likely to follow Rodon. The big, the big hurt is judge right big hole in the lineup presence out of the lineup i still they're still in the in the wild card hunt they're tied for the third spot i still think they're going to make the playoffs what what are your thoughts about your team so far this year is this is this going to be a five-hour podcast because i got a lot to say about this but uh <laughs> no i'll try to i'll try to trim it down <laughs> uh i mean honestly overall i'm gonna say i am satisfied with everything that's gone on this season and where they are and everything else. Um, there's just, there's definitely some tweaking that needs to be done. Um, when you lose someone like judge realize how great of a player he actually is. Cause he affected the whole team. Rizzo has been going downhill since he's been out. Um, the offense is just inconsistent. You know, some nights are, they're gutting out those close wins four to three or whatever. Then they're, you know, nine to two. And then last night's game, forget about it. I won't mention them. Um, you know, I was looking forward to Rodon coming back. I'm hoping that he doesn't, you know, doesn't get hurt again. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. And he started off good tonight. Um, so I'm hoping he pans out. And as long as uh, Nasty uh, Nestor doesn't, you know, uh, have a setback with uh, batting practice pitching this weekend, they expect him back in a week or two. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, you got Cole, you got Severino, who's up and down as well. If he can kind of be consistent, that would be great also. Yeah. Don, if he does what he does, that will be great. And then Nestor, you know, that's a great uh, pitching lineup to go into the postseason with. Um, they, they, 
the AL East is absolutely ridiculous this year. And for the Yankees to be in the mix of it all, I'm very happy with that. Um, Booney, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not a big fan of his right now. I was even open to the idea of uh, getting rid of him last year um, and coming in uh, this year. He's not making me happy as a fan uh, watching some of the moves that he's doing and also watching some of the mistakes that these players are making when, you know, it should be uh, second nature to these guys. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm satisfied. I think I'm still on pace for our little uh, wager from the previous podcast. No, no, no. You got to play over 620 ball the rest well, of the I, way. We we said over 95, right? Yeah, you got to get to 96. And what do they wins. and what do they have the first half? I think they're at what are they 48, 48 right now? Yeah, so 47, 48. Yeah, that's not too bad, man. You know, I I, I agree with you. I think I'd be happy. I mean, I'd be frustrated if I was a Yankee fan because you always think that they're going to be blowing everybody out with their payroll and they're the Yankees, right? But they're still in the thick of things considering everything they've been through this season so far. And you lose the presence of judging that lineup and Stanton and Donaldson don't step up. That's huge. And yet still in the thick of the playoff run. So they they got a shot to to go deep. If you have that Cole Rodon Cortez threesome, they stay healthy and they stay consistent. It's going to be tough. Me for my Orioles, I am ecstatic. Obviously, I didn't expect them. I picked them to finish fourth in the in the division this year. I didn't expect them to jump out this way. It's a very young team. We know that they have the 29th ranked payroll. 60, I think it's $68 million is their overall payroll, obviously, because they have a lot of rookies on their team. Starting last year when they called Adley up in May, then they have Gunner, now they have Kowser, and now they have Westberg. You're talking four of their nine batters in last night's lineup is their future. And their and their their farm system still has like five or six positional players that they can they can call up. They're already phasing out Jorge Mateo because he's not hitting, and now they just slot Gunner in there, move him away from third. And you got so much flexibility right now. So I'm I'm ecstatic where they are. I really think that they can stay consistent, make the playoffs, get some experience, come back next year, make some free agent moves on the pitching staff. They're going to be tough for three, four, five, six years to come as long as they play it right. They got a great GM in Elias, so we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But I'm sure they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline. Okay, let's go into the first, the second topic here streaming services i subscribe to the mlb package tonight the orioles play the twins on apple tv so if i don't have that subscription i can't watch my team even though i paid for mlb tv to watch an out-of-market team that's mine in the orioles we watched the other night futures we watched the yanks and the orioles through prime yeah. Right. So if you don't have Prime yet, Yes Network is not going to come through. You have to watch Yes Network through Prime. Mm -hmm. So, what are your thoughts on these streaming services? Let's start with you, uh, Futures. I'm not a fan of them at all. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, uh, I've been watching sports my whole life and I just feel it seems like almost every and now it's like almost every five years it's just something that they're adding to the mix to make it harder for fans to watch the game it originally started with uh you know broadcasting games on espn which at the time was like paid cable and all that stuff and i didn't agree with that i'm thankful that i'm a, a local fan for football with the giants because i would have yeah. to 
you know, I have to pay almost $300 a season to watch uh, uh, the game pass. And I feel bad for any fan that's in the middle of nowhere. You know, they see someone, um, you know, for lack of a better thought in my head, but let's say they see a Saquon Barkley, you know, in the middle of Iowa and, you know, it's a rural place. They might not have a lot of money to be spending on trying to watch these games. And then, you can't watch them or you got to, you know, check it out later or whatever. And it just, it takes away from the whole fan experience and from trying to watch it at home to going to a game, you know, I just feel the fans are just overcharged for everything. And I understand these players are making a ton of money and all the fans uh, money's contributing to their salaries and all that stuff. That's fine and dandy, but you know, everybody has been complaining about beer prices for you know tens of years now. And it's like you almost accept that, but then it's like the next year something else comes on, like PSLs, you know, to go to a game, you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> and, then, and then the, you know, the streaming services, like you said, it's it's hard to keep up with uh, trying to figure out where the game is actually being broadcast. You got games on Apple Plus, then you so got true. games on Prime, then you got, you know, you subscribe to MLB because you're a Baltimore fan. And then I'm a Yankee fan. I live in Southern Jersey, and there's a couple games I can't watch because they're on. Uh, right. I forget what it is, but it's like NBC Plus or something. Like yeah. That. And it, I refuse to spend any more money on streaming services because I think uh, we spend way too much in this household on those things. But it's it's definitely something I'm not a fan of, and I really hope they can try to figure it out to just get everything all in one spot or make it a pay for team type of thing. Um, yeah. You know, Good I, point. there was a. There was a rumor for YouTube when they were going to take the game pass that they were going to charge you per team. So you could watch, you know, only 49ers game and pay a significantly lower price for it. And they went away from that for some reason. And I I think that would involve a lot more people coming to the service and, you know, make more money in the end. Yeah. Valid points. How about you, Deuce? What do you think about these streaming services? I'll take it from a different position. I think that if you're a football fan, you know, the NFL, you're the NBA. I don't think it really matters because the, the, the sports are growing tremendously. But the in baseball, they're trying to get the young people to watch it, get to the stadiums and really enjoy the sport and making it more difficult for a casual fan to see it, to me, makes no sense at all. Yes, it's a money grab for the, you know, for the major leagues, but I don't think it's it, it's advantageous. It was the NFL. People want to watch it. They'll find a way to subscribe wherever it is and find it. Same thing with the NBA. But in baseball, it's baseball is much more regional than the other sports. True. So it's 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 a different type of a thing. Now you know I'll go and I'll get Apple and which I have and I'll watch it. But you know I don't think most people are going to really go the extra mile to find it. They'll just say like, look at my regular spot. I don't see it, so I'll catch it tomorrow. I don't think anyone's going to be like us and really uh, turn over every rock to find the game. It's frustrating, especially when when you're not realizing it's on one of these streaming services. I did exactly that, Futures. I, I actually remember in the beginning of the season, I was looking for a game, and it was a Yankees game, and I couldn't find it. And I was like, what's going on? I went to the guy on the TV, and then I realized that it was on, like, Prime or something, and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, it, it, you know, it's the little fan here. I want to watch an Oriole game, and I can't watch it. So let's shift gears. Rule changes, right? I, you know, we should have a rule change on the streaming services, but you have the shift restrictions. You have the pitch clock. You have the throwovers per batter. Deuce, what do you think about these rule changes? 
take it one at a time here. Let's go shift restrictions and then the pitch clock. Let's talk about those two. I mean, they have the bigger bases, things like that, the disengagement. So those are the two big ones, the shift restrictions and the like, pitch clock. I like them both, um, but I'm very, very surprised. Uh, first of all, I thought that the batting averages would be significantly higher with uh, the shift being, you know, modified to the point where you can't stack one of the sides. Yeah, right. we've got some some really good hitters on 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 the Marlins that are, you know, high three, you know, um, nearing four hundred. But I mean, for the most part, averages aren't as high as I thought they would be. I thought there'd be a significant difference. Although I love the rule, I think it's a great rule change. Um, you know, the bases again, same thing. Surprised that there aren't more stolen bases. Uh, but I like the rule, the bigger bases. And then once you throw over, base runner has a big advantage when he can just go. Yeah. But uh, as far as the pitch clock, love it as well. Um, games are moving along much more crisply, much, much better. Now, one thing that is annoying is the umpiring, but that's a different question. Yeah, we'll get that on the next. We'll, we'll get that on the next topic. I got, a, I got something to read to you guys. It's really, really interesting. Futures, let's go to you. All right. Um I got to say, in the beginning of the year, reading about these rule changes, I was totally dead set against it, hated it. I just want, you know, I, I think like most human beings, they want things to stay the same. Um, I understand there has to be some kind of growth and everything. And I, I see what Major League Baseball is trying to do, obviously, generate more offense, get more people interested, all that stuff. And the times of the games, you know, they get out of hand sometimes. Um, that being said, the, the, time uh the time clock totally against it didn't like it at all i thought it would mess with the hitters their whole little rituals before they're batting all that stuff i gotta say after about i don't know 10 games or so watching it yeah i love it <laughs> and it's and a big part of it is those late night games because now you're you're in for a game for like three hours it's great you know you don't have to stay up until midnight trying to figure out who's going to win in the 11th inning now it's like three hours game's done and at the same time there's a good flow to the game. You see, you see the pitchers get settled in, just go through the rhythm. You see the batters also; they're not so fidgety now. And uh, I like I like the the time management a lot better. The shift restrictions. I am I was against it to start the season, and I'm still against it to start the season. Really? For some reason, it it bugs me a little bit more from the aspect of uh, a rule kind of dictating how you're going to play defense in a game. And for some reason, it bothers me. And at the same time, although you don't see it very often, when you're paying these guys this much money, your professional hitter, all that stuff, you know, you should be able to squeeze a ball somewhere where there's a 50-foot gap and get it in there, you know, some of the time. And I would rather see the batters fight through those situations instead of kind of, uh, you know, just taking the whole scenario out of the out of the picture. Well, that, that, that was going to be my follow-up to, to this topic is a lot of people think that way. Like, if you're going to move the shortstop to short right and move the third baseman to the shortstop, just learn to hit to the opposite side. And they don't. The other thing that I think has been lost is the art of the bunt. Like, a guy like Jorge Mateo, the guy can't hit. Like, he started off hot. He can't hit. The guy can outrun pretty much anybody in the league, but I never see him try to bunt. Yeah. Like if they're going to yeah. shift you, well, they don't shift him, but I'm just saying if they were to shift one of these guys, just lay it down and run it out. Eventually that that shift will go away and it'll open up the, the rest of the field for you. What do you what do you think about that, Deuce? 
Um, my personal opinion is it makes it very, very, I'm not sure I agree with either one of you. I'll take a different <laughs> position. I'll take a different position. I think that what makes it very difficult is when they do the shift, they're pitched, the pitcher is pitching in a, in a position on the plate, which makes it impossible. You have to go with the pitch and that's the way they're trained to hit. So they're, they're pitching the batter, forcing him to hit into the shift. So unless you're a tremendous hitter like Tony Gwynn, you're going to hit into the shift most of the time. But your point about the, the bunt is well taken. That I think I totally agree with. But I think that that shift is so difficult because the pitcher is pitching you away or inside, forcing you into the shift. It's so impossible yeah, but, for even but, a talented hitter. But, but I've seen many people, many pitchers, you know, hang a ball where they're not supposed to, right? And you see the lefty that should have went opposite field, try to pull it, and they ground out. Right, they're 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 supposed to go at it. Case in point, last night. Sorry, futures. First at bat, Gunner goes opposite field, outside pitch. He lays it over the left field wall. Comes up a couple of four four at bats later. He pulls a home run because that's where he's pitched. So he's disciplined enough to either say go with it, go with it each side, right? But these guys, you see that for some reason they just. The reason the shift's there is because they know they keep hitting it no matter where you pitch them in the same spot right into the shift. So I, I hear you on that. It's just I am so glad they got rid of the shift. I can't stand it. If you have a third baseman and a shortstop, they belong on the left side of the field, second base first on the right side. That's that's just the way I grew up watching the game. Now, what they're doing, and you see it a lot with Volpe, right? I, I'm referring to the Yanks and the Orioles a lot because I'm watching them a lot this year. Volpe's literally – a step away from second base and he's playing so many of these these hits right up the middle like in the perfect position and so they're still getting a semi shift there but you know I, I i'm glad they got rid of that i absolutely love the pitch clock just like you futures in the beginning i was just like i was getting a little nervous because it was moving way too fast and yeah. now i settle in and it does bring a different does bring a different um, aspect to the game, and uh, what 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 I have noticed, and I don't know if you both have noticed this. There was a game the Orioles were playing, I think it was against the Cubs or a recent game. It wasn't the Yankees series. Three or four times the the opponents got down to one or two seconds on the clock, and all of a sudden they start saying, "You know, I can't hear the signal for the for this for, oh, the, yeah. for the pitch, yeah. right?" And I'm like, "Well, if you're still giving it at two seconds, there's something wrong, right?" Have you guys noticed that at all this year? I think uh, I think with all the rule changes, especially and especially more, I think more earlier earlier on in the season, there were um, definitely. You could see they were testing it out to see what they could get away with, what they can't get away with, all that type of stuff. And I've noticed, I've I noticed what you were just talking about, where they're trying to, yeah, you know, saying that not getting the signal or whatever. And uh, I just think that's part. That's going to be part of the change with it. You know, these teams are going to see what they can do. And I noticed umpires in the beginning of the season too with the shift restrictions. They were, uh, if a player was, you know, one inch out of the way, they were stopping it and. Yeah. That was just to get everybody trained to, you know, not mess around anymore. So I, I think it's kind of like the NFL with the referees, you know, you know, certain calls are going to get called in certain situations. And I think with Major League Baseball, they want to make sure that these rules are sticking. So in the beginning, they were hammering it down on it. It seemed yeah. to be a little bit less, uh, you know, strict with it uh, later on in the season, but. Yeah, so that's interesting. We're we're talking about the umps. We'll we'll end that little segment on the on the umps, right? Let's move into the national. This is something that I've been railing about on the cube every day. 
and it's something that you just mentioned, Deuce, and it's the strike zone inconsistency. In fact, we were watching the game <laughs> two nights ago, right? And I think I still owe you like eight calls, right? Uh, and it's interesting because I got the umpire scorecard on that game. Baltimore won 6-3 Wednesday night, and there's this little area on the bottom right called cold strike accuracy. <laughs> Right. And it said eight of the 51 called strikes were true balls. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's pretty pathetic. Right. So I want to, I want to run something by you. I, both of you, I saw, I saw a, an article this week on what they're testing in the AAA, an automatic ball strike system. So it's a robo umpire. Right. And it says they introduced it in the Atlantic League in 2019. It's in AAA this season. MLB officials say there's no timetable for a potential robo-ump call-up. Another system being tested in AAA would rely on the human umpires calling the pitch the, the pitches with the automatic ball strike system as a backup for a limited number of challenges by each team. Now, just two quick things that they mention here. It's pretty funny. The ABS system will still shout ball even if a player swings, right? So it's the pitch is obviously a ball. So when they throw the junk on, say, one, two, and the guy goes and chases it, it's a strike three, you're out. It calls it a ball. So now the ump's got to adjust to that. And secondly, I'll read from this article. It says The ump says you're always checking the count a lot more. You have heard three balls in a row, but the count's one, two because the batters fouled off a couple of pitches. So personally, they have to do something with this inconsistency. This is my opinion. It's just you sit there, you watch a game. There was a game, an Oriole game I was watching earlier in the year, and the announcers were keeping track of the differential in the strikes and the balls for each team. So you got to do something. I actually like keep the human element in it, let them call the game, and then have a certain amount of challenges during the game. What do you think, Deuce? Uh, well, actually, I, t- I completely agree with you. The, the one thing that I find very annoying, and I'd love to get both your opinions on it, is same subject. The catcher's framing the pitches. Nothing annoys me more when you get this catcher that balls on the uh, just slightly outside, and he brings it in just enough to get the strike yeah. call. And then they're rating catchers by their framing of how much they can <laughs> take away the balls and turn them into strikes, and they're rating catchers on it when clearly – it has nothing to do with baseball. It's not the catcher wow. being able to frame it. The the umpire has to truly yeah. call it the way he sees it. But now catchers are getting credit for stealing those pitches now, and they're calling it, quote, unquote, framing and doing a good job. That really is very frustrating. But but you you heard framing in the 70s and 80s, too. You heard it but back then. That, but it, yes, but I think it's almost like in basketball when a guy fakes a foul, he gets touched, and he jumps backwards. <laughs> I think when you watch the catchers constantly pulling every yeah. single pitch, it's not yeah. one pitch, it's every pitch gets pulled in for a strike. And you see some of them end up becoming strikes. And yeah. it's so frustrating because is the umpire really watching that or is he watching the catcher pulled into the, the strike zone? But, yes, I think that they have to clean up the umpiring tremendously. It's very sloppy. And some of the games they've even admitted have cost some of the teams. Are you for or against an, uh, a robo-ump? calling the balls and strikes, or do you want to keep the human element in it? Okay, I'm I'm old school, and even though I think the, the robo would be better overall in the long run, I think the game would lose something. It, 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 I think it needs the actual ump and some – because the replay, especially on the bases, 
fixes it. You know, in the playoffs, you've got the extra two umps, so you got six on the you know two on the lines, and you also have the replay. So, it, I don't think it's going to be damaging. So, I would go with the uh, with the real umpires. But, but they say in this article, it says how it works: unseen cameras are deployed around the ballpark. They scan the home plate umpire to determine the pitch location. The rulings delay relayed to the home plate umpire through an earpiece, and he announces it as if they were calling it himself. The delay is supposedly short enough to leave no hint that he wasn't calling it himself. And I'm okay with it. You mean, so it's similar to like a microphone. <laughs> so it's similar like to the NFL, the co- the quarterback has a microphone yeah. in his helmet. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm good with that. That's okay. fine. I would work what, with that. What do you think, Futures? I'm, I, this is a very interesting topic because you, you look deep in thought. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to, to kind of come up with an opinion about this because I, I am old school too. I think if you remove the human element of the ump, that's going to change the game. I don't think in a positive way, but these umpires have been, I feel the worst that I've seen in a long time, yeah, if not ever uh, this season. Um, you know, just to uh, relate it, I guess the first pitch Rod- Rodon threw tonight, it was, uh, you know, the pitches we were watching the other night, uh, back it up the uh, the outside on the corner. This was probably about three <laughs> more inches. This is probably about three more inches outside, and the ump just called it a strike. And I said, wow. And I even said, I, uh, you know, that's one I get back, you know, from the game the other night. But the I don't know if you can train umpires better. I don't know if something has been lost over the last few years with training these umpires because I do feel like the strikes and the balls have been gradually getting worse. If there is some kind of backup plan where you don't notice some kind of delay or you can kind of agree with the, you know, kind of make it uh, agreeable um, amongst the whole stadium, the players, all that stuff, I might be for it. I just know that the umps have to get better if they're going to be in there doing that job. Um some of these calls are just absolutely ridiculous. It's almost coming to the point, it, it, to me, you know, to compare it again to the NFL, you have some of those referees that call certain penalties all the time. And it, it, it's almost like there's a longer list of umpires that you know are going to be giving you that outside corner or going to be hard to hard press to, you know, give you that strike call, that type of thing. And it does change the game a lot. And if it has cost teams, you got to start looking into it because, you know, yeah. you're costing wins and that's well, not good for the sport. It, it, you know, it's interesting. I heard somebody, and I can't remember who it was on TV, say that the umpires are calling these balls and strikes on on pitches that are coming in so much faster now, 100, 103 miles an hour, a lot of junk, a lot of movement, so it's making their lives a little harder. The other thing I've noticed is I, I've watched Adley a lot this year, Rutschman, the catcher for the Orioles. He'll work the umpire like they do in football, right? You got a bad call in football. They're They're on top of the – the, the ref to try to get a call later in the game within an at, at bat will have he'll have one of those pitches that's questionable and you'll see him turn to the ump and talk to him and then mm-hmm. later on it's the it's the reversal that should have been a strike he gets the ball so it's really interesting to watch that stuff and he's he's a master framer too so that that was a good one to talk about i i just i'm so frustrated you know we joked about it the other night futures i, I it, it, we stopped at like six or seven. I think I got up yeah. to 10 right now. Not yeah. a lot of these cost the games, but what are you both going to do when the Mets get lose one of those calls? And it's, you know, it changes the whole 
complexion of an at bat. It just changes it. You know, one two is completely different from two one. One one is completely different from two zero. Oh. You change it from a hitter's count to a pitcher's count, and vice versa. So they have to do something. I would love to see a minor league game with this to see if you really see the difference. I just yeah. don't know if that whole they they call the actual pitches, you know, balls and strikes, and then the umpire has to know to correct it. You know, I wonder if that's going to throw them off because there's a lot going on. Okay, here's a here's an- another topic for you both that. I was sort of thinking about some of the things we could talk about tonight. This is sort of a, a, a an out of the left field type of uh, of subject here, and it's mostly about what we talked about early on. Futures is Judge being out this this whole year. Now he made that beautiful catch against the Dodgers early in June, right? That's when he got hurt, right? He basically broke the wall, yeah. <laughs> right? And then I heard that they put padding on that the bottom part of that wall after he got hurt, right? Of, of course. Right? Of course, right? <laughs> you know, something happens, oh, we got to do something about that, right? Yeah. You know, I've watched Gunner twice try to beat out a, a throw to first base, lunging to the bag, and looks like he was going to blow out an ankle or blow out his back, right? So here's the question. Is one play like Judge? Now, you can't teach these guys to – to manage themselves in a game because they're so used to making the play, give it their all, give up their body. But for me, if I'm a Yankees fan, one play, maybe one game at a 162 to still have judge, I would trade that in a, in, in a second. What do you think about that, Futures? Yeah, I mean, it's such a hard topic because you love the stuff that judge does in the field. Um since he's been out, you just see the the outfield is completely different without him there. Yeah. So at first, you're kind of like, why is this guy making this stupid play running through a wall, this and that? But at the same time, that's the type of player he is. Now, the only thing that's going to help judge this whole situation, for lack of a better term, um, is, <laughs> you know, the, the overall career of the player. You know, if he turns into the player that every time he – takes a dive, you know, he's out for three or four weeks because he's tweaking something. You got to, you got to do something to adjust it somehow. You know, they try to, you know, they might stick him into the DH or something like that, but you, you don't want him at DH right now. Cause he's a great outfielder. Um, they just, something's got to be done. I don't know if you can try to bang it into their heads. Like, Hey, you know, in, uh, in June, let's not run through walls, you know, save that for <laughs> October, you know, something like that. But it's it's impossible it's impossible to like you said it's impossible to tell these players not to do what they've been doing their whole lives and that's the reason why they're in the position that they're in is because they're making plays like that and on top of it judge is also a freak of nature you know such a tall guy such a big guy but he makes these plays that are unbelievable so you just got to imagine just physics alone something's going to tweak just from him landing on the ground hard enough you know just keeping those limbs together um turning 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 that play into a, a great catch is not worth it for me as a fan. But I would never be the person to tell them, "Don't do that play," you know, because we want to see you play more type of thing. You just you just got to go with the flow, and hopefully, it doesn't turn into a, a constant situation every season. And, yeah, he's uh, developed into it. He's developed into a generational player where just his presence alone you know, protects the person in front of him, changes the whole dynamic of how you approach that lineup. And you're seeing the hole that he's left. Yeah. And I get it. You're right. To to have one play, you can't deprogram these guys. But I just thought it was interesting watching Gunner 
run down there and then knowing that judge did that right um for one game one play i'd rather you know i love judge he's the only yankee i like and to have him out of the lineup it's just it's it's tough to watch them without him what do you think what do you think deuce um, I'll come at it from a different perspective. First of all, I agree with both of you. I, I you know, the one play, and, and you and I had talked about this prior, and I yeah. sort of changed my mind a little bit. I'll give you the perspective. He's a gold glove outfielder. He's robbed yeah. home runs. He yeah. gets with his height and his range. He's able to get balls, bring them back into the stadium. And when he's running back there and making those plays, and he's made so many of them this year, he doesn't know when he's doing it whether he should ease up or not. He doesn't know. And he makes those spectacular catches. So he didn't really, I don't think when he damp, you know, hurt his toe, I don't think he knew at the time that he would get hurt. I think it's the same thing when he's leaping and making those diving catches or those stretch catches. He doesn't really know until afterwards. So I think if he were to try to prevent the injuries and I agree with you you much prefer to have him for the season but I think it would change his DNA his DNA is to go full bore that's why he's a gold glove we're very similar to telling in basketball a player not to dive for a loose ball then he gets hurt pulls something or damages his knee I don't think it's something you can turn on and off it's in their DNA Although, you know, but I've changed my opinion on that because I was saying to myself, if he knew he was going to get hurt, he certainly would have gone easier into the yeah. into the yeah. wall. That's just my perspective. But they do have the warning track. <laughs> so he's got to sort of know where he they, is, right? They do, but he's such a special player. He's 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 literally in the top three, maybe the top two in baseball. And it's very hard to change his DNA of who he is. It's just who he is. So, 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 question for you both: Did you see that play live? Because I did. I saw tape. I, I mean, you I saw go, tape. How about you, Futures? Did you see it live? I saw, I saw tape, and then I saw tape too many times. I, I, <laughs> I was watching it live, and it was just like the jaw dropped to the ground when he goes right through the wall. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> it just like destroys the wall, right? And it was a beautiful play, um, but. You're right. It's hard to deprogram these guys, and uh, it's just tough to watch guys get hurt for making great plays, and you just wish, as a, to your point, future you're a fan, you want to keep them in there. So, Jeff, I'll just say one thing. You really see his greatness while he's out. I mean, yeah. you know he's an MVP, but watching the team without him and yeah. what he means, like, for example, you, you mentioned it before about Rizzo. He needs Judge in the lineup. Well, he protects him. Stanton yeah. as well. These yeah. players, Rizzo's a great player, and so is Stanton, but having Judge in there takes that pressure off. Now they have got to deliver, and I think that's part of it. Same thing with LeMayu. These guys are great hitters, but Judge makes them better. When you pull him out of there, it changes the whole dynamic of the team. Well, you bat him. You bat one of these guys in front of him, the pitcher's going to want to bet, pitch to them. He's going to get some better pitchers. That's exactly. how he protects them, right? It's just his literal his literal presence in the lineup is just incredible. And you feel it, you see it, especially now. So um, let's go to one topic here that I, I'm really interested to hear what you both have to say. I, I struggled with where to go on this answer. I finally came to something that I'm going to talk about after you both present your side. So, Deuce, let's start with you. What's the one surprising thing to you so far 
the first half of the season? Uh, well, there's a, quite a few surprising things, but specifically, though, um, yeah. I'll start with the Yankees. Uh, I'm shocked that the Yankees have played as well as they have without Rendon, without Judge. You know, LeMayu's batting poorly. Rizzo's batting poorly. You know, a lot of the team is not playing up to expectations, and yet they're way, way over 500. They're in the hunt, and if Judge comes back, they could be very, very dangerous. That's that, that's surprise number one. I, my, but the biggest surprise of all is Baltimore. I don't think anybody on Double the down. planet predicted the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles would be – Again, they're not good. They're dominating. For a team with a payroll that they have, with a bunch of young kids in a small market, to be dominating in this position is just absolutely the ultimate surprise. Uh, another another team, you know, that's just the, to me, even as big a surprise in the reverse, is San Diego. I knew you were going to go there. Yep. with Manny Machado. You've got Bogarts. You just you just got you've got Tatis you've got Juan Soto you've got Hater in the bullpen you've got you're you're, you're loaded everywhere you got Va, um Darvish you've got they're they're just overwhelmingly loaded with talent and they're what four five six games under 500 it's beyond belief that that's yeah. even possible yeah. so that might even be the biggest surprise of all no, nah, it's a it's a it's a good one. I was going to go with the Padres, and I figured you may go there because we had talked about that a little bit. Yep. So I changed mine, and we'll get to mine in a second. What do you think, futures? What's your biggest surprise this first half? And please don't pile on the Orioles. <laughs> I was going to say I, I I know what part of the podcast uh, back it up is going to listen to over and over again. Um, I'm gonna I I got kind of a double answer, but it's it's just two teams that have surprised me a lot this year, and it's uh, the Rangers are the first team that surprised me, and then the uh, the Reds, um, the Reds I think have possibly my uh, new one of my favorite players with uh, De La Cruz. Um, I find myself just looking for highlights of him almost every yeah. day just to see what he's doing because. He's one of those guys that you love watching play. Like he looks so excited to play the game. He's doing great things, and the team's winning. They're two games in first, and uh, it just makes it exciting for me. Um, you know, I'm mostly a, a Yankees fan. I don't stray too much from the Yankees, but the one of the teams that I'm paying attention to is the Raiders, uh, the Reds, sorry, and the uh, the Rangers. Um, given that huge contract to Degrom, and you know now he's done for the year, um, and for them to still be you know, pretty much kicking butt, and they're two games in first as well. So uh, those two teams, they're uh, my biggest surprises this year. They I just made a question for both of you, just real quick on the same subject. How can the Angels, with Trout and Oritani, and both of them are surefire Hall of Fame players, how can the, the Angels be so poor? How is that possible? Give me two of their pitchers. Who are their pitchers? <laughs> the I, I couldn't name Gr their pitchers. That's pretty yeah. much it, yeah, yeah. It's the pitchers. Plus, now you got you got Trout out for five or six weeks, right? And yeah. you got Otani in a walk year. What are they going to do with them? Are they going to stay with him? Or are they going to trade him? Because you're not getting anything for him after this. So, um, the, you know, going back to futures with the Rangers, they just made a. a, a I wanted this guy for the Orioles, Penn and Chapman, right? The ex. The ex uh, Yankee, he's tearing it up, and they go out and they basically give away nothing and bolster their bullpen. 
It was just yeah. an incredible move by them. I was so mad when I saw that. Um, I wanted the, the the Orioles. It would have been nice to have Chapman, Cano, Bautista finish out your last three innings, um, especially now that Cano is starting to regress a little bit and get back to normal. So here's here's my surprise so far. And I, I was going to go Padres. I was going to go to Blue Jays because I had picked the Blue Jays to finish first. They're starting to come around now. My surprise sticking in the AL East is the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Like, how are they hanging around at 500 ball? I thought they would be done by the end of May. Now, they're still going to finish last, in my opinion, in this division. They let Bogarts walk. They pick up Chris Sale. He's injured, IL, 60 days. They pick up Kluber. He gets he gets shelled early on. He gets stuck in their bullpen. He's hurt now. They have De- Devers, who we know is a, a great, great, uh, ball player, and they signed him to a 10-year contract. He's young, so they got him for a long time, for, for the prime of his career, too, which is going to be great for them. They go out and they pick, out, pick up 38-year-old Justin Turner. You know, he's a journeyman, but he's he's batting around a 290 bark, and he has around 50 RBIs already. They pick up Yoshida from Japan. He's doing great. They have this new pitcher, Brian Bello, who I actually just picked up in my fantasy league. He's emerging as a stud on their, on their staff, so I thought they would not even be where they are today. And uh, they're my surprise, the Boston Red Sox. I mean, that whole AL East is just is just a tough, tough division right now. And uh, they're the ones who, who surprised me the most. Again, I was going to go with the Padres, echo everything you say, Deuce. Uh, but I kept it closer to home with the with the Red Sox. Okay, this has been great. Those are my topics. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I want to ask you both one question, though. We should all three pick one team that we think is going to win the World Series. Oh, that's a good question. I should have put that on the list. I think you're taking the next episode. You want me, to go, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, for me, um, and I'll stick with this pick, Atlanta Braves. And I, I don't like the Atlanta Braves, but yeah. you know, some teams just have karma, mojo. They just have it, and I think this is going to be uh, Atlanta's year. That's just my pick. What about you, Futures? Who do you think? Okay, so again, I got two answers for this. So <laughs> from the from the from my superstitious per- perception and uh, you know perspective, uh, anytime the Yankees have ever pitched a perfect game, they've won the series. So everything Whoa. tells me everybody thinks tells me that they're going to win it. But if I had to if I had to go place a five hundred dollar bet on somebody. Um, I don't, I've really, I, I think the Rays might do it this year. Really do. You know, the Rays are starting to regress a bit. They lost a lot of their starting pitching. I'm amazed that they're doing what they're doing. Orioles are four back from them. Yanks are eight. Yanks are still hanging tough. I don't think the Yanks, I don't think they're taking the series this year without Judge. He needs to come back and, and, and produce for them to change the whole complaint. Now, Rodon's going to help them out. But I think without Judge, that's just too big of a hole to fill for them to go that far and that deep. You know, I I I have to agree with you, Deuce. I think it's the Braves. They're just too hot right now. They're they're a, they're a notch above everybody else. They're the best record in the league. Fifty eight. And, and the one thing you have going for them too is they have got like five or six players having career years at the exact same time. It's not one player. They've yeah. got so many players having stellar seasons that even if one or two go cold. And they're pitching. It's unbelievable. They're loaded in pitching. They're and they're fundamentally sound. I mean, I hate to say that as a Met fan, but they're they're just too tough. What about the Phillies? They're starting to surge now. 
You think they could catch them? They're eleven games out now. I think I think the Phillies are a great, great, great question. Phillies are dangerous, but here's the difference: um, Phillies pitching is not deep. They've, their first three, you know, they've got they've got a good first three, but after that, it gets dicey. With Atlanta, they're just so deep they can withstand an injury or two where the where the Phillies can't. So, I mean, if they don't get injured, you know, I think there's a chance it could be a one-two punch against, you know, the two of them in the, in the, in the playoffs. But I still think Atlanta's uh, standing tall there. I'm just looking I at just, uh, Go ahead. Sorry. I just uh, – the other thing I want to say, too, is I was thinking about Atlanta as well. And, uh, again, I don't know if it's because the uh, era I grew up in or whatever, but I grew up with a lot of great Atlanta teams, with, you know, the Hall of Fame pitching and all that stuff and the great players on their team. And they only got that one series out of that error. And uh, I just can't, I can't go with them for some reason. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to have a slip up, but I'd be, I'd, I'd like to see them win though, too. Cause I, I feel like they're a great franchise, especially for major league baseball. They're, 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 they're a good team. They're, they're stacked yeah. top to bottom, both sides of the, uh, of futures, the aisle. Futures, you are right with uh, Glavin Smoltz. And, uh, you know, Maddox, Maddox. I mean, and how could they, and they had Chipper Jones, how could yeah. they possibly win only one championship? So you've got a great point there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelie- I still cannot believe that they only had that one championship through that run with those players. Oh yeah. It's hard to believe. Yeah. You guys going to any games this year? Mm. I'm going to be going to a Met game in about two weeks with, with, the, with the family. So we're looking forward to that. Who are you seeing? Nice. Who are they playing? We're not sure yet. We're not. We just got to coordinate the schedules, but we'll be going pretty soon. Okay, that's cool. I may be. I may be shooting down to to Baltimore to see a couple games in September, but you know, time will tell. And and availability of tickets because you know they're the big draw this year. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) you guys got to give me some slack. Do you know how much I've taken from people over the last say ten years? Come on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just trying to enjoy this season, and I really am. So it's been fun. I'm loving baseball. We're approaching uh, mini camp, or actually training camp for football. So it's a great time of the year right now. Dog days yeah. of summer is, is, is going to start kicking in now for baseball. I, I'm just loving baseball this year. It's great, except this this streaming service. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, that was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good information. Enjoyed it. Glad you both joined. We'll do this again very soon. Get another MLB roundtable going on the channel. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Take Take care, care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.